This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. On the 1st of June, Johnny Depp won his defamation trial against Amber Heard. It was televised live and social media consumed and commented on it like a spectator sport or reality TV. While some people watched the entirety of the trial, many others kept up by watching bits and pieces circulating on social media in the form of memes or funny videos. The entire thing was bizarre to say the least. Netizens cheered and clapped for Johnny Depp and poked fun at Amber Heard. But has there been a lot of disinformation surrounding the trial? And does Johnny Depp deserve his heroic redemption arc? I'm Dashran Johan and this is Today I Learned. On the show with me today is Sivanandita Nendran. She's the Executive Director of Arrow, that's the Asian Pacific Resource and Research Centre for Women. Welcome to the show, Siva. Before we discuss the current trial in the US, which was televised live, another similar trial took place in the UK in 2022, which Johnny Depp loss. What was that trial about and how did it come about? Hi, Dashan. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Okay, so in 2020, uh, Depp sued The Sun for libel. Uh, in an article, The Sun called him a wife beater. In that case, Depp lost. And the difference between this case and um, the current one was that uh, this case was heard before a judge as compared to a jury uh, in the American system. And um, a judge is very often asked to weigh the facts in the case, right? Mm -hmm. And the finding was that the judge found that, you know, 12 of the 14 incidents of domestic violence alleged by Heard had occurred. The judge ruled in favor of Amber Heard. Um, In this case, uh, which took place in Virginia, the jury wasn't sequestered, you know, like in some of those movies that we watch, right? The jury kept, uh, you know, in a special place and they have no access to people, nor do they have access to mobile phones, etc. But this, in this case, you know, the jury wasn't sequestered and had access to their mobile phones. And because the element of influence that social media exacts uh, in today's world the previous trial, it wasn't a trial by jury, right? So right. Uh, the sentiments could, uh, social media sentiments couldn't influence the judge in a way that the uh, social media sentiments can influence a jury. Interestingly enough, both of these trials were not about violence or domestic violence cases because those are criminal cases, right? right? But these are about freedom of speech, you know, the right to speak up, write about, publish, broadcast the story of a survivor. So one was about libel and the other was about defamation. Now, Siva, you say this uh, trial that just took place in the US isn't a criminal case, but a defamation case, similar to the previous trial in the UK, which was also not a criminal trial, um, but a civil trial on libel. Now, what's the difference between a domestic abuse trial and a defamation or libel trial? I I think that firstly, I better uh, put a caveat here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am not a lawyer by training, nor am I a lawyer by practice. Uh, But uh, this is like, you know, in the general ambit of uh, knowledge and understanding. So neither trial was a trial on domestic violence, which is a criminal trial, right? Right. Uh, This was a civil action intended to measure, you know, uh, the kind of reputational harm each one claimed the other had done. 
right? Right. Because uh, Amber Heard claimed that, you know, she spoke up about uh, uh, domestic violence and that's why she was being uh, denied uh, a movie role and she was, uh, a, a, another role had been cut down and so she kind of um, uh, faced, you know, the wrath of society for speaking up. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the um, harm she said had been done to her reputation. And Johnny Depp, on the other hand, also said something very similar because of this case and because of this op ed that you wrote. And in that op ed, I mean, they don't actually contest all of the op ed. Eh? Whatever she had written, they didn't contest. They only contest basically, basically on one line. Mm-hmm. You know, I became a public figure representing domestic abuse. Right. So that is the one line that they say defamed him. Basically, because it's a civil action, measuring this reputational harm means it rests less on facts, you know, than on sympathies. It's harder to prove as compared to domestic violence trial where, you know, injuries are documented, a police report is made, an investigation is done, the police looks into prior records, and then you go into trial and then retribution, right? Right. In domestic violence cases, because it's a criminal trial, sometimes a survivor can request not to sit in the same room whilst testifying or can testify via camera because... Mm -hmm. Uh, as you know, in domestic violence trial, privacy, you know, and the confidentiality of the survivor is very important to be defended. And it's very difficult for a survivor to look at, you know, at the perpetrator in the eye and not shrivel up. The major defense to a domestic violence trial is very often, you know, innocence. I mean, you have to prove that you never did it or, or you didn't do those things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a defamation trial is a completely different thing that you prove, right? Because you have to prove a false statement which purports to be a fact. So this is what they're fighting about. This is a false statement that she is passing off as fact, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you have these other things like publication or communication of that statement to a third person. So when she writes the op-ed in Washington Post, she's communicating to all of us, right? Uh, That I suffered uh, domestic abuse, right? right? In the UK, he didn't sue Amber Heard. He sued mm-hmm. the Sun, which right. wrote an article and called him a wife beater. Right. Right. And which uh, Amber Heard testified in that trial. The judge weighs the facts and says, well, yes, you, the Sun, you have reported uh, it as accurately as possible because, yes, indeed, these acts of violence did take place. In the US, Depp actually, he said, you wrote this op-ed in the Washington Post and you defamed me through this op-ed. I think that that is the one that uh, 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 he did. And I believe that some commentators have talked about, you know, why was it filed in um, in the state of Virginia? And they were under the, uh, uh, the, apparently in the United States, you have this thing called an anti-SLAPP, S-L-A-P-P uh, laws, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically is a strategic uh, litigation against public participation. So uh, there are many who do, I mean, in some legal systems, they already recognize that uh, powerful and rich people utilize the laws in order to shut down uh, public participation, right? Uh, uh, allowing for a truth about a person to come out to the public, right? Right. So, uh, and you know this very well. I mean, we've seen this also in Malaysia and across uh, different countries that, you know, powerful people, whether they are being accused of, you know, corruption or being on the take or being, you know, 
sexual abusers or whatever, you know, uh, the first uh, lawsuit is that on defamation, right? right. So um, Virginia, uh, the state where this case was filed, was actually one of the states with a weaker set of these anti-slap uh, laws. What are your overall thoughts on the outcome of this trial? You know, we, we need to really interrogate, you know, uh, deeper, you know, into what really happened during the trial, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and interestingly enough, you know, one of the things is that both in the UK trial and the US trial, uh, Depp's lawyers utilize, you know, the same tactic, right? right. Uh, which is used in all uh, domestic violence, sexual abuse type of cases, you know, and harassment cases, which is called DAVO, you know. So DAVO is deny, attack, reverse victim and offender. And this is commonly used in order to kind of uh, free uh, the perpetrator from the allegations that I'm the all bad person and you're the all good person whom I've done damage to. The second thing we all have to understand is like, we have to di- dissect this further. Who is Johnny Depp? Who is Amber Heard, right? Mm-hmm. Neither is an average citizen, you know, and both have far more resources of money, power, platforms in order to have their voice heard, you know. Uh, between Depp and Heard, of course, there's a, a, a little inequality, right? One was older, male, more established, and the younger one was, uh, the other was younger and female. But by all means, by average standards of you and me, right. powerful human beings. Absolutely. Right? And both utilize their resources against each other. You know, us participating in this like kind of uh, battle, you know, we need to say like, is any victim, you know, who doesn't have resources in order to define these narratives or file lawsuits in order to seek retribution or ask for justice, where is that type of victim? Where, where is their story? You know, the world is already skewed in favor of the deaf and hurt types. Right? right. Many survivors won't even have an iota of the space to tell their stories or their experiences. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's actually this is a study in how the privileged take up so much public space with their issues. You know, right. column inches, headlines, Twitter retweets, television minutes. You know, and for me, I mean, I, I had to like kind of divorce myself because you know why? And for me as an advocate, I'm not working in the service of the depths or the hurts of this world. So there are two competing narratives, one from Johnny Depp and one from Amber Heard. Throughout this defamation trial, Depp has also accused Heard of abuse. So is this a case of mutual abuse? Firstly, I, I want to go back to this. Huh? Mm-hmm. You say, and you framed it very correctly because you said these are two competing narratives. Right. These are not about facts. These mm-hmm. are about narratives, right? Right. Making it about a case of mutual abuse is, you know, part and parcel of the Darbo tactic, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, oh, you think I'm I'm the abuser? No, I'm actually the victim as well. You know, so they reverse the roles, right? Perhaps it was mutual abuse, but then does it not then prove that Heard also suffered this abuse? Right. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, then so for her to write that, you know, I am a victim of domestic abuse means that it is well, to a certain part, truthful. And I think that more than a narrative, there was also definitely a social media strategy behind it, pushing the narratives, right? Right. And many articles, you know, have already dissected how every move of Depp's, you know, uh, was used to cast him in a good light, how he relates to the audience. And while every facial expression of her was, you know, used to cast her in a bad light, there is no trial where one side appears so completely 
incompetent and the other side is miserably incompetent right right unless it is scripted and then through select crafted short videos and memes which are then you know circulated and put out there so i think that yeah there were you know uh two competing narratives but you know one i mean definitely one was far more dominant than the other it is difficult to go on social media and say hey take a break right now you know take a step back look at what's happening and why is it going this way and is it right because uh social media is like a frenzy you know okay we found the target and now we're all going to shoot our arrows at the target and social media works that way right because mm-hmm. everybody wants to be the first everybody wants to make a comment about something you know there is no time for that in-depth reflection or in-depth analysis before we can come to our conclusion the conclusion is made first and then the justification follows later right, right. and i think that, you know depp and his lawyers knew that that's why the case was televised uh you know i wouldn't be surprised if there were other lobbies who also thought hey this is a point for us to make you know and you know very well the incel lobbies that mm-hmm. exist in the world and of course you know in the west we are seeing a rising you know anti gender you know narrative right so there are many interested lobby groups uh, in this case and saying look this is uh, this is an opportunity for us to talk about you know why we shouldn't listen to women you know right. so i i think that they i mean it, that is unfortunately the the one like key message that has uh, uh gone out to the world i think a few factors coalesce together definitely you know where they filed it the fact that the trial was televised so i i think that you know uh this uh labeling of women is uh usually is used to reduce that women's agency credibility and voice you know and that was uh that was this is an age old tactic right that was done you know and that's why um uh the, these terms were very commonly heard known and utilized for this purpose against amberhood i i feel like there are different you know uh lobby groups who probably felt that oh this is the advocacy moment for us to make our case that not all women need to be believed in on the show with me today is Sivanandi Tanindran executive director of Arrow that's the Asian Pacific Resource and Research Center for Women after the break i ask her if our society is incapable of digesting stories without heroes keep it here on today i learned bfm 89.9 Welcome back to Today I Learned. I'm Dashan Johan and on the show with me today is Sivanandi Tanindran. She's the executive director of Arrow, which is the Asian Pacific Resource and Research Center for Women, and she's helping me unpack the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. So, Siva, one of the arguments I've heard is that we, and I quote, shouldn't believe Amber Heard because she's a terrible person herself, pointing to some of the clearly horrible statements perpetuating toxic masculinity such as what kind of a man cries and even statements like um you know go and tell the world that you a white man are a victim of domestic abuse and see who believes you how do you process all of this no i mean i think we have to go back and interrogate again right mm-hmm. uh, the different axes of privilege and oppression or whatever you know mm-hmm. and i think that you know while amberhead kind of uh, also uh, says that she is like subservient to a person like uh, johnny depp right so mm-hmm. she in that in that relationship she's the one with lesser power 
But however, I, I think that we have to go back and say, like, you know, even then, you are an extremely powerful white woman in your own right, right. isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and I think that some of those stories about uh, Amber Heard and you know, uh, you know how she treated people around her, or you know how she's like kind of taken the story of one of her assistants or something, right, on uh, sexual violence, and then kind of passed it off as her own story or utilized that story, right? right? to platform herself. I mean, like this also kind of uh, tells us, you know, that she herself is in a position of power. She's not like some marginalized woman victim. So, and I think that these statements that she has made are clearly also uh, a demonstration of that power. Now, the other thing is, is Johnny Depp a victim of abuse? So, well, if he is a victim of abuse and he wants to be known as a victim of abuse, then will he file criminal charges? You know, will he pen an op-ed naming Amber Heard as his abuser? I don't think he will do any of this. Because if he does this, he will then have to prove his claims. Right. We, we, have, we do not know whether this has ended, you know, Dashrin. Because, yep. you know, Amber Heard might go in like now, put another suit. Absolutely. Against, right. Another, and then, you know, we might have, you know, three more, uh, three more months of this carnival, isn't mm-hmm. it? Honestly, I'm wary of like celebrities and personalities who kind of uh, jump on gender equality issues as a uh, as a means of platforming themselves, right? Right. So as I explained, you know, I mean, like, you know, this hashtag Me Too movement, you know, it wasn't. Um, I, I found that you know it was wrongly reported in some Malaysian media that it was started by Alyssa Milano or by Hollywood actresses, but actually it was started by Tarana Burke, yes, know, who was. Uh, black feminist activist, you know, mm-hmm. who has been working for the longest time on the issues of gender equality, right? And she started that hashtag Me Too in order to enable women to speak up about their experiences of uh, sexual violence and sexual harassment. So, you know, this co-optation, you know, of language, you know, uh, and platforms by privileged women is something that we need to interrogate because it happens time and time again. And then it damages, you know, the language, it damages the platforms, you know, and when it all goes, you know, horribly wrong like this, you know, it is actually the most vulnerable and marginalized women and girls who are hurt at the end. You know, they have no platform. On a related note, I'm wondering what you think of this idea of people saying we shouldn't believe someone who claims she's a victim, if she's a toxic person or has terrible worldviews, etc. Should victims need to be perfect and righteous people for them to be believed? You know, part of this divisiveness in the discussions was about the division of, you know, between good women and bad women. Good women are deserving of protection and bad women are lesser so deserving of protection. You know, in previous generations, they would have called a woman a witch, you know, or a Mm -hmm. sex worker or something like that to like, you know, or lose an immoral woman in order to like kind of uh, reduce her credibility. And now, you know, it's the toxic personality, right? So if you're toxic, that means, you know, that that's already like, you know, the witch of the previous (laughs) generations right so uh, and hence you know you you don't um uh, you're not worthy of that protect social protection right Mm -hmm. so women deserve protection when they uh behave within this moral code right Mm. in a certain way they dress in a certain way they carry out in the certain way and blah 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 you know and who sets that moral code if it is not the patriarchal society Right. Absolutely. And all of the women who are outside of this moral code, I mean, the, those who are, you know, too loud, too sexy, too big, too, you know, too, too much, 
you know, I mean, like, you know, one of the things that you very often find in a lot of these uh, cases of violence is like, you know, men say you are too much, you know, or you ask for too much or you want too much. You know, there's too much. You must never a woman must never be too much. Right. Right. So, clearly, you know, Amber Heard, she was too much. But besides the fact that whether you're a bad woman or a good woman, all women have their rights, you know, and one part of that right is not to be abused or harassed. I'm wondering, are we as a society incapable of digesting stories without heroes? Because I want to bring up a paragraph from a Vox article which explained the heard and um, Depp trial as well and get your thoughts on it. And, and what the paragraph read was, and I quote, faced with a portrait of a relationship in which there's compelling evidence of violence and toxic behaviour on both sides, our culture seems unable to accept that we may simply be looking at a story without heroes. Instead, we demand a tidy narrative with a heroic redemption arc and if the hero is a beloved, charismatic, and powerful white man, well, all the better. End quote. What are your thoughts on this? Every story, you know, even every poem, you know, mm-hmm. it's crafted around a protagonist and an antagonist, right? right? And our minds are shaped to see stories in that way. And very often, if you note, you know, even in our own story, right, we almost always center it on ourselves. We are the protagonist, you know, we never see ourselves as an antagonist, you know, the way in which we see ourselves, we see people is kind of shaped in this way, right? And, um, uh, and there's a good guy and a bad guy, like in every story, right? Mm -hmm. So I think uh, trying to divide and say, now, who's the good guy here? And who's the bad guy here? This is basically how our mind works, you know, as we approach every film, every, you know, song and every, every, you know, spectacle like this, right? Um, So I feel like, you know, there there are many stories intertwined in this as well. I mean, I can say that definitely, you know, the idea of a perfect hero is not something that, you know, people are expecting off right right i mean like almost all you know heroes are flawed heroes nowadays right Mm -hmm. Uh, so um uh, but i also wanted to point out i mean like um this is not only about heroes but it is also the inability of you know society to integrate you know uh, holistic ideas of what a man is a holistic idea of what a woman is and a holistic idea of what relationships are all about you know, our idea of a good relationship, our idea of a bad relationship, our idea of a good partner, uh, idea of a bad partner, who's a good woman in a relationship, who's a bad woman, who's a good man, who's a bad man. So all of these stories are intertwined in this, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I mean, like you you quoted Vox, you know, and I think just yesterday uh, uh, a column came out in the New York Times, right, mm-hmm. which talked about the misogyny and the malice of the Johnny Depp trial. And in that, you know, the writer Scott, A.O. Scott, who is a film critic, actually kind of says, like, I myself, Dashran, I must tell you that, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up with Johnny Depp, right, from 21 Jump Street. I mean, that was when I was 17 or 18 years old and saw him progress, you know, to Edward Scissorhands and then, you know, to Pirates of the Caribbean, you know. And he was like the eternal bad boy, you know, and somehow we are all drawn to these bad boy types, not only women, but also men, Right. right? What uh, Scott says is that celebrity and masculinity are reinforcing, you know. Mm. So famous men, whether they're athletes or actors or musicians, they, you know, they get to act in certain ways because they represent what all men aspire to be. 
So, I mean, like, even if you look at uh, the recent Will Smith event, right, and how people were divided, I mean, like, something that should have been, like, so obvious and clean cut as a result really also divided people. I mean, like, right. was was he right? Was he wrong? What did he act? What was he doing? And all of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Scott writes, and, you know, and I quote him, you know, defending their prerogative is a way of protecting and asserting our own. You know, we want them to be bad boys, to break the rules and get away with it, you know. Uh, and uh, the signorial right to sexual gratification is something the rest of us might resent or envy or disapprove of, but we rarely challenge it because these guys are cool. They do what they want, including to women. And anyone who objects is guilty of wokeness or gender treason or actual malice, you know. And that is how basically the whole events of the trial have been framed, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, Depp's uh, team is like, you know, it's a consummate team, you know, that has, you know, explored every single angle and is able to locate the trial in something which are not only about the narratives around defamation and what constituted, but, uh, and also do that Darbo uh, attack, but also, you know, locate it in this very real, how do I say, uh, psychological uh things that are happening in society and in social media right so what are the implications of this entire trial the result the public discourse etc on larger society so i mean like for me you know i really think that you know uh, many others have already come out to talk about how you know the survivors they are meeting are much less likely to speak up looking at this you know and i must say a mistreatment of ember heard isn't it right. to deny her the space to tell her her story but then also trivialize uh, her story uh, trivialize herself as a person i mean like that's all what the memes and videos and everything do it uh, kind of dominated right it dominated media and social media you know you you couldn't run away from it and it detracted from real issues which needed attention because simultaneously as this was uh this um how do i say spectacle was enacted in front of us you know it was at that same time that overturning of roe v wade you know uh was happening at the same time right but and it should have rightly dominated the discourse because that is the bigger story you know but it didn't Deaf versus heard, you know, eclipsed every other story in the world. This spectacle, you know, always serves a purpose. And we need to ask, you know, what was that purpose? You know, uh, spectacle in ancient times was, you know, a reminder of who held power and to keep the spectators themselves in check, you know, whether, you know, it was martyred Christians in the Colosseum or, you know, quartering, you know, so quartering spectacle for the crime of treason against the king, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these served a purpose, right? And in this spectacle, this creation of sides, you know, Depp versus Hurt. I mean, this Depp versus Hurt is a two-person thing, you know. And all of us were in, in this battle, you know. Uh, not one of us who are participating in this win in any way, right? right. This um, uh, It has a lot of repercussions because it's not only about victims uh, being like, you know, uh, have a lot of trepidation coming forward with their stories. They're worried about how they will be treated by society, by the people around them, because they saw their own friends or relatives, you know, treating Amber Heard in a particular way, right? So they say like, oh, well, if that person can treat Amber Heard, how would they treat me? And, you know, their feelings or their relationship is important to me. 
and and for me, I feel like if we look at what has happened in the recent years, whether it was a Brexit vote, the Trump election, and even decades ago, even in events like 9-11 and the Iraq invasion, right? Right. You know, when the media is whipped up to a frenzy, there is a reason for it. And there is a hidden hand behind it, right? And what could that be, you know, other than to posit, you know, that powerful antithesis to women's rights, you know, attacking the core belief, don't believe all women, right? Right. Because what don't believe all women actually kind of trickles down to is don't believe any woman. So how would you respond to those who say, so are you saying that women can't lie, that women can't wrongfully accuse someone? Let's go back to the story of power, Mm -hmm. right? Because many of these trials, these uh, cases, you know, are about power, the power of one over the other, right? you know? And in this, what I am, I keep asking people to look and say, who holds the power here? You know, and we can say that, I I mean, like, definitely, Depp holds a little bit more power than Ember, simply because, you know, she's younger, right? Mm -hmm. She hasn't had a time to build up a career as long as uh, Depp has. However, I mean, she herself is not without any power, Mm -hmm. you know? If you think Johnny Depp is like, you know, if he was wrongly accused, right? But he doesn't say that he was wrongly accused. As I said, if he wanted to say he was wrongly accused, he would have to, uh, and he paints himself as the victim of abuse, huh? mm-hmm. uh, then he would have actually filed a completely different sort of case altogether. Right. Right. So uh, I, I think that in this, you see, the, the story is not about getting justice for abuse. The story is about preserving reputational credibility. And the only reason they do that is because they are two incredibly powerful people. For me, I feel like those who actually, who are wrongly accused, who probably hang or go to the death uh, for being wrongly accused. Yes, it's true. Many, you know, across all of the criminal systems in the world, there are many, many marginalized, oppressed people who are wrongly accused of crimes they did not commit. Some have died for that or suffer from long imprisonment. And there are many, you know, stories, films, cases on that, you know. Mm -hmm. But somehow, let us not, uh, you know, start believing that somehow, you know, Amber Heard is a very oppressed human being or Johnny Depp, on the other hand, is this oppressed human being. We have to like move away from the cult of celebrity and then we have to like kind of really interrogate, you know, uh, who are we as ordinary and average citizens, you know, and what avenues, what platforms are open to ordinary, average, you know, women and girls in order to tell their stories because it's important that these stories are told. And uh, people are able to voice up what they experience because we can only change, you know, culture. We can only change laws and policies when this uh, kind of stories come up, right? Mm-hmm. And so that kind of becomes a way of reorientating society to kind of uh, be more inclusive, you know, of uh, marginalized and vulnerable uh, persons. You know, this this case, I mean, like, it's just, you know, it's about two, you know, powerful people battling it out. And, you know, no one of us, you know, whether you are a man who faces abuse or a woman who faces abuse, neither of us have benefited from this trial, you know, because, you know, it was about uh, power and it was about preserving reputation, you know, not about justice. 
On that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Siva. That was Sivanandi Tanindra. She's the Executive Director of the Asian Pacific Resource and Research Centre for Women. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan and this has been Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.